Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We're going to be just looking at um, one word of one verse here this afternoon, and that is peace. We're going to be talking about the believer's peace. And what a blessed subject this is for all of us whether we're talking about peace with God or the peace of and from God. And so let's bow together for prayer before I begin to speak to you. Father, thank you for all the fruit of the Spirit and this fruit that we will study this afternoon, which is peace, that fruit which you give to us, O Holy Spirit, in our heart and mind, so that we might know and exercise this grace in all the various situations of our life and experience. Oh, Lord, you want us to have this. You want us to have peace in every circumstance. And so we pray that you will uh, give us wisdom in the scriptures this afternoon as I lay the truth of this subject before your people. May they receive it. May we all receive it with gladness, we ask. In your blessed name, Lord Jesus, amen. I want to read to you from Galatians in chapter 5, and I think I'll begin reading here in verse 22 and read to the end of the chapter, verse 26. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit's presence and power at work in your heart if you are a Christian. It is the Spirit's work which leads you on to experience in a very personal and practical way the rich benefits of Christ's death and resurrection in your life and the experience of receiving imparted grace is you're receiving Christ's help by the Holy Spirit in relation to your doing and keeping the commandments of God. Christ gives you strength and his wisdom in relation to leading you on to greater measures of obedience in your attitudes and actions. That's what's taking place. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. And this is what it means, by the way, to pursue righteousness and holiness. It's the thing which is very pleasing to God. It's the Spirit who will lead you to put sin to death in the motions of your heart. And this holy activity is based upon Christ having died to sin once for all. It's the Spirit who leads you to put to death the sinful deeds of the body that you truly might live, as it says in Romans 8.13. 
And all this comes to you according to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so each of us ought to be thankful for the experience, the personal experience of grace in our heart, which is leading us on to continually experience more of Christ's glory. Are you thankful? Is a good question for me to begin with. Are you thankful even now for the precious and powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life, dear Christian? So at this time, we want to look at the grace of peace, and the fruit of the Spirit is peace, and we want to see, first of all, our experience of peace is based upon Christ's death, which purchased it. And then he, by his Spirit, faithfully conveys it to us, that is, peace. And second, we, w- we are going to see here that having this grace of peace leads us then to be peacemakers in relation to people around us. Well, first of all, our experience of peace is based upon Christ's death and resurrection. And if you'll turn with me over to John chapter 16, and we want to look at verses 32 and 33, it says this, Indeed, the hour is coming, Jesus says. Yes, and has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So you see that this is the basis of the believers being of good cheer and having peace rule in his heart. It's because Christ has overcome the world, he says here. Believing in his word, in other words, is the basis for your having peace. His peace is going to the cross alone is the basis of his conveying to you his abiding peace. Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now, by all rights, it's surely true that we should not have any peace because of our many sins, Isaiah fifty-seven twenty, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. But I want you to see that Jesus suffered and died so that we might be reconciled to God and that there might be peace between God and ourselves because Jesus Christ suffered on our behalf. And since he suffered and died for this, he wants you to know the spiritual reality of what he suffered and died to bring to you. It was so that you might come to have this peace with God. And I want you to see that your experience of peace of God is all of his doing. And so if you'll turn over to Colossians 1 and verse 20... It says this, I'll start in 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So you'll remember that when the Lord Jesus was about to be betrayed and go to the cross, he was telling his disciples that they would be scattered. They were going to temporarily forsake him. But he tells them that even though they would do this, that that he himself would not be alone. His father would be with him. That's very significant. The commentator John Gill says the father was with him, not only as the son of God, by virtue of union to him, as one with him, but as mediator in consequence of his promise, the father's promise to uphold him and assist him in his human nature. And though he withdrew his gracious and comforting presence from him, he bearing the sins and standing in the room instead of his people, yet not his powerful and supporting presence was withdrawn, Gill says. So the tribulation of Christ being arrested, being betrayed, and his sufferings and his crucifixion was very troubling to the apostles. But actually Christ was here giving them an explanation which was intended to bring them peace. He was saying to them, as long as you are in the world of unbelieving people, people who hate me, you will have the tribulation of their being opposed to you. And that's because they're opposed to the idea that they themselves need grace to be saved. But he was saying that he had already, even before this, before, even before he went to the cross, overcome the world, he had overcome it by his perfect obedience to the Father's will. He'd overcome it by keeping the commandments of God before a watching world. The world that Jesus is speaking of that he has overcome is the world of the unbelieving Jews and Gentiles, especially those Jews who thought of themselves as righteous in themselves. They kept all the commandments of God. They thought, but they really didn't. But Jesus actually did keep all the commandments of God perfectly, and yet they hated him for it. And you can see this if you'll look with me at John 15, 18. John chapter 15 and verse 18. It says here, if the world, Jesus says here, hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. You see, this would set the stage for Jesus is going to the cross and laying down his life for us so that we could have peace with God and also peace of and from God. So as long as we rest our souls upon Christ's word of promise to us, you will find peace. I hope that you can see this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. So the basis of your having all true and lasting spiritual peace 
is the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to you. It's given over to you, and God can then actually and really, by the Holy Spirit, impart grace to you, as well as impute Christ's righteousness to you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So the basis of your being able to experience this peace is when you commit your way to God day by day. I hope you can see that. Do you do that every day? Do you commit yourself uh, to God? Do you pray that he will go before you, that he will watch over you, that he will protect you and keep you and help you and bless you with this grace of peace so that you will not be utterly cast down, frustrated, and feel as though you can't go on. So the basis I'm saying of your experiencing this peace is you're committing your way to God day by day, but you do so in relation to the resurrection life and power of Jesus Christ, which is being conveyed to you and to your heart. I want you to turn with me over to John 14 and verses 19 to 27, about a page or so over from where we were before in John. John chapter 14, verses 19 to 27. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So you notice here that it's because Jesus lives that we also come to have spiritual and eternal life and therefore have real peace, the peace which Jesus was leaving with his bewildered apostles was the peace which he alone could give them during that time. 
And my beloved brethren, he does the same thing with us in our various situations in our life. You know, this was a great time of uncertainty for the disciples. Jesus was going to the cross. He was physically present with them, though at that time and as such, he could convey to them the peace that they needed so that their hearts would not be troubled. I hope that you can see this. But in a little while, they would not see him because he would go to the Father and they wouldn't see him anymore. But he says, in that day, the Father will send the Holy Spirit who will be given to you, that is on the day of Pentecost, to the church as a whole. And this giving of the Holy Spirit is specifically related to being able to live the Christian life, a life of difficulties, sometimes of persecutions, and still to be a good and faithful witness, to have the power in your life and the peace in your heart to talk about Christ in the midst of difficult situations. So these apostles already had the working of the Spirit in their hearts at that time. They had been regenerated and he was working in their hearts and in their minds. But in that day when Christ ascended to the Father, the Spirit would be given in a formal sense to Christ's church to be with all Christians and through the many generations, even to the end of the age, so that even though we do not see Christ, we do know by the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that he is with us. Now notice that because Christ lives, you who believe live also. In other words, his life is in your life and therefore his peace becomes your peace. You do not have apostolic office or gifts, but if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will come to know and have this peace which particularly belongs to believers. And when you go about to obey God, it will be because you know that you have received grace from Christ. After you have believed the gospel, in other words, you will have this peace with God because of what Christ has done for you. And you will also know then at various points in your experience, the Lord manifesting himself to you in and through the Spirit's working. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So this is a real sense of his presence that we're talking about here. It's a real understanding that he is with us, working in our heart, working in our life, giving us grace, which is evidenced in our knowing real peace. So the Holy Spirit, who is called the helper in verse 26, would help the apostles in a special way in teaching them everything they needed to know in terms of their living their Christian life to his glory. Even when they were being persecuted and they were fulfilling the ministry to which they were called to, he would still be with them, helping them in their preaching, teaching them 
that which would be the gospel truths that they would give to the lost, as well as that which they gave to the fledgling church. In other words, he would be there to help them to teach and to preach with power the truth of all that he had given to them. And he would also then be guiding them infallibly in the writing of the New Testament scriptures. He would help them in all of their labors for himself, both in terms of doctrine and practice. What a tremendous thing this would be for them. But I want you to think that this is the same kind of thing that takes place with us, not on the apostolic level, but in the sense of our relationship ourselves with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ was going to be with the apostles in this wonderful way, in this personal way, giving them his peace in the midst of all these things. And it would not be the peace which the world gives. It would be distinctively different. It would be his assurance to their heart that he was with them. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the, the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way or in every circumstance. That's the kind of peace that you and I have. And we need to lay hold of it in our heart because it is in our heart if the Holy Spirit is, is there and the Holy Spirit is there. And so we will have this peace, but we do need to turn to the Lord and seek to find him himself in the midst of our difficult situations so that we will have this peace. Now, secondly, we want to see that having this grace of peace leads us then to be peacemakers in relation to people around us. And I want you to turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you verses 13 to 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God, that's Jews and Gentiles in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity between Jews and Gentiles. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So you can see here the basis of our reconciliation with God, the basis of our being brought Near to God is our Lord's having fulfilled the law on our behalf. The law and its ordinances required a priesthood offering sacrifices for the people and for themselves, but Christ came and fulfilled the moral law as well as the ceremonial law by his becoming a righteous sacrifice, a bloody sacrifice, and thereby peace was made between Jews and Gentiles as having put to death the enmity that existed between them. And in doing so, he then enables us who are Gentiles, he enabled us to become part of his spiritual 
body, the church, with the Jews. So since Christ fulfilled the ceremonial law with its ordinances and abolished it, this set the stage for the reconciliation, the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles in the one body so that there should be no enmity, no hostility between them. I remember even in Jesus' day that the Jews looked down on the Gentiles, called them dogs. That's how they referred to them. But all that would change for those Jews who became true Christians and they would begin to see that Christ had made peace between these two incredibly different groups of people to bring them into the one body of Christ. So when the gospel, the grace of Christ is really perceived in its intent to reconcile God and man, it should also be recognized in its intent to bring people together. Do you see that? The gospel should bring people together as well. People who have been estranged from one another can be brought together. I want you to look with me over at Matthew chapter 5. This very famous verse in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12 and verses 16 to 21. It says this, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. That is God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now you can see here what the components of being a peacemaker are. It's trying to be like-minded with brothers and sisters in Christ, first of all having as your basis of agreement the truth of the Bible. It's trying to come to terms with why a brother or sister might have a different perspective than you do on things. It's trying to reconcile with those persons whom you have had a disagreement with and then restore, if you can, the relationship between the two of you for Christ's sake and the church's sake. It's not thinking that wisdom simply resides with me, that there are not other people who have wisdom from God as well. There are. And so let us not repay evil with evil. May you not be taking your own revenge, as it says here, but may you actually try to learn to do good to those who are your enemies. I hope that each of us will attempt to live in this holy way. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we realize that we have much to learn about the implications of having your peace in our lives. Help us to understand how we can know the reality of this peace day by day, uh, ruling 
the peace of God ruling in our hearts, as it says in Philippians chapter 4. We pray that we would know the reality of that and then also that we would be peacemakers in, re- in respect to people around us, even people whom we may disagree with, that, that they, if they're unbelievers, may come to know you and find themselves reconciled to you, O oh God, but also that we might be brought together with these people who we might be estranged from, not agree with in many respects because your grace is at work in their hearts and lives as well as ours. So we pray that this would be the case with us, that you would take us by the hand and lead us into a deeper understanding of your perfect peace. We pray it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.